Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you want to write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating. Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. With us today is Susan Markloff. She is an award-winning author of a YA urban fantasy series. Book number one is titled The Rise of the Raiden. Book number two is titled The Ties That Bind. And you can find Susan at Susan L, as in Larry, markloff.com. I'll have the information in the show notes. The books are available wherever you buy books. Welcome, Susan. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. So we met at an author gathering. It was a festival in our local town, and you were mm-hmm. one of the authors who was um, peddling your wares, you know, <laughs> selling your books, and you really stood out because your, you know, I want to say your booth, but it was really a table, but it was kind of a booth too, really stood out. And a lot of my audience are trying to wrap their heads around book promotion and what they can do. And you really knocked it out of the park. So why don't you start with telling us about your books? And yeah, tell us about your books. And then I want to ask you about book promotion. Sure thing. Well, thank you so much for uh, your kind words regarding my setup. Uh, It's awful nice to know that the hard work is paying off. Um, so yeah we'll first talk a little bit about my books so yeah as you said book one is called the rise of the raiden book two is called the ties that bind and i'm actively in the final stages of publishing a series of six parallel side stories to the rise of the raiden um the last one comes out december 19th so we're almost done and i've been publishing them one a month since uh july so it's been a very busy year um but a ton a ton of fun and i'm thrilled with how everything has turned out um and yeah so my books tend to feature a lot of the found family trope the chosen ones trope i'm a big fan of team kind of center stories where it's not just one person that has to try to save the world quote unquote but instead has like a group around them and they're supposed to work together despite differences and personality clashes and in this case um cultural clashes as well because i chose to have this be a global event and have it be that there's kids from different cultures and different uh continents so that we can really explore different areas of the world i'm a big fan of traveling i'm a big fan of like different cultures and just all the uniqueness uh, that you can find across the world. So, and sometimes truthfully, you can find that uniqueness just by like going to another state in Pennsylvania (laughs) and like, you know, the States, but have what have you, but um, yeah. So I love dragons and you find them in my stories, werewolves, other mythological creatures. I, it's very heavy portal fantasy. uh, So you're dealing with other worlds, you're dealing with reality, um, which is kind of fun, but it's also a little daunting when you're trying to figure out how to write a story in the here and now, but still allow for fantastical elements. Um, but yeah, so that's a little bit trying to condense uh, a yeah. lot of <laughs> I'll say. what I got going on. Yeah, because I think, I think I do have a lot in my audience who would like to write uh, YA, and urban mm. fantasy is a particular genre. And the whole idea of genre and identifying a genre, it's a really big part of publishing, mm. isn't it? Yes, yeah, it is. And truthfully, I was in the, the very beginning trying to figure out exactly what like subsect of fantasy, like young adult fantasy I was writing was tricky because like some people would classify it as coming of age. Some would classify it as contemporary. Some would classify it as urban. Um, And like 
So it can be hard to like really narrow in on, well, this is exactly what I say it is. What helped me a lot was I uh, chose to and choose to pay for editorial reviews of my books when they release. And you tend to do editorial reviews before release. So, you know, two, three months out, you kind of have some promotional snippets um, coming from reputable sources that can provide you credibility, provide your books credibility, things of that nature. And at the beginning, almost all of them were classifying my book as young adult urban fantasy. And I went, okay, well, if the experts are saying it's urban fantasy, that's what we're going to go with. That's what we're going to say it is, even though it could be classified as these other things. We're just going to go ahead and follow what the experts are saying. And if expert editorial reviewers are like, nope, this fits nicely in this genre, we're just going to go with it. Yeah. I mean that that makes a lot of sense, and I love that. I'm a fan of the prepub review as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's valuable just from a, a like you say the perspective of what do other people think and giving some credibility mm-hmm. to the book. But also, I think it it kind of expands your mind on a lot of different things, especially how you're presenting the book, and yeah. it gives you an opportunity to maybe you know pivot a little bit if that's what you're finding. And mm-hmm. um, it's just such a great learning experience. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So let's talk about are you self-published? I should go back. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, yes, I am self-published. I I know some people would say that I'm probably more like indie published because the fact that I don't do everything myself. Um, you know, I have a cover illustrator. I have an editor, things of that nature. But I do my own interior book formatting. I do my cover formatting. I taught myself all of that, um, which was a learning curve. <laughs> Not going to lie. Um, because I tend to approach things from what are industry standard and what do I need to do to be industry standard. So I taught myself InDesign uh, formatting because that's what, like, if I were picked up by a big publishing house, that's what they would use. And so, but it took me about like a year to really get my head wrapped around all the rules of formatting and what have you. But yes, I am self-published and uh, just did a lot of studying of traditionally published books before I got to the point that I was like, yep, nope, we're going to go this route. Um, And it took a while to narrow things down, like font choices, you know, for title art, um, things like that, because uh, I come from a marketing background, a marketing and graphic design background. So all of that kind of informs a lot of my decisions. Um, and when it came to deciding on things like what do I want my title art to look like? What fonts do I want to use inside my book? There was just a lot of like I was pulling Tolkien and Lewis and, you know, Louisa May Alcott and Winnie the Pooh. And I'm pulling all these like old books off my shelf to look at like, well, what fonts are these? Like what what styles are timeless? What are ones that won't be putting a timestamp on my book um, because there are a ton of very popular fonts right now that are being used for titles and they're gorgeous, but they're being like, they're almost being overused at this point to the point that in about five years, I think maybe 10, it's going to become like anyone who picks up one of those books with that, those specific fonts, they're going to go, Oh, this is an older book. It's from back when this font was popular. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you don't want to timestamp your book in a certain era or like have it potentially get like caught up in like when it was published, it's always kind of better to consider maybe going a little more timeless and choosing a more standard like serif font rather than going with these really expressive, still beautiful fonts. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just a matter of what you as the author want for your book and two, what your audience will expect. It's really like this twofold thing that you have to kind of juggle of like what you want versus what your audience wants. Right, right. It's amazing to me. It just occurs how you're talking about timeless fonts and making sure that things are timeless. And at the same time, you write about, you know, urban (laughs) fantasy fiction. You know what I mean? It's like bringing these two things together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple of times you mentioned industry standard, that term. Why is it so important to do that research ahead of time to find out what is industry standard? Well, so we're at, I feel like, a precipice right now with the self-publishing and indie publishing market where um, a lot of the stigma is starting to go away. 
because there's a lot of people that I mean, you even have Brandon Sanderson, who has chosen to go the self-publishing route via Kickstarter. Um, but he's making like people like that that are bigger names are making it aware to the rest of the world that just because someone goes this route doesn't mean their story isn't good. Um so because of that we're in this great time of self and indie publishing where you can be taken seriously whereas like 10 years ago it was more like you immediately got this look from people of oh you self-published like <laughs> oh, okay i guess it wasn't very good then but a lot of people are realizing that publishing houses many of them are really more just gatekeepers they're not letting stories through because they personally don't think that there's value in it doesn't mean the story doesn't have value many good stories are being published every day in the self-publishing indie published market and they're winning awards they are making bestseller lists they are being you know number one amazon bestsellers on release things like that and it's gaining credibility but because we're also in that precipice of like really you know this whole industry being able to be taken completely seriously it means we have to kind of get away from a lot of the old idea of doing self-publishing which is well i'm self-publishing so i can do it cheaper i can skimp on this i can skimp on that but if you want to be taken seriously as an author if you want that to be like your career you really do need to consider okay if i were to put my book as it is right now with this cover and this design and all this other stuff next to say you know, in my case, Percy Jackson or Cassandra Clare's books or Harry Potter, you know, any of the the big names in young adult fantasy. If I were to put my books next to them, do they look out of place? Do they look self-published? Do they feel off in any way? And in doing that research of like you're basically what style and feel you want to make sure you have one, it'll save you a ton of money. Um, because the last thing you want to do is put in money at the forefront and then you discover like later down the line, oh my goodness, I screwed up on my cover. I really messed up on my formatting. Now I have to go back and do it all over again. I mean, formatting can easily cost 150 to $200 depending on what it is that you want in your interior. And covers, uh, they can cover like be anywhere from like four hundred to a thousand dollars depending on like what you want mine are all illustrated they all cost a whole lot more because there's no stock like photography being used um so it's super super important that if you want to be taken seriously as an author you have to kind of give yourself permission and give yourself time Two, before you even go, yes, I'm going to publish like and start finding an editor and all of those pieces that they're big pieces and you do have to do them. Sit down, look at other books that you think are in your genre and figure out, OK, like what are other authors doing? What are the ones that I want to be compared to in a way? Like if the last thing you want to do is be compared to like a book that you abhor, right. you know, like <laughs> You would you would hate to put your book out there and then find out that everyone is comparing it to this book that you're just like, I hate that book. Like, it's a terrible comparison title. But if people are comparing it, there's a reason for that. So you as the author need to take the time to make sure that your book looks and feels like it's a book that was traditionally published. And that means doing the research of like, what fonts are people using? What sizes are books being published at, printed at? Like... It's it's all these little things. Um, I was just talking with someone not too long ago that there's all these like little subconscious things that go into like what people will deem a good book is like a quality book is. And they might not even be able to say what might be off like in the formatting of a book or what have you. But like if there is widow lines or it's not full justified or like it's all these little tiny things that if that's not correct people might be like there's something off about this book and i don't know what and it's making it hard for me just to enjoy it your writing might be superb but if it's not to the standard that people understand they might be you know dnfing your book yes. without meaning to like they don't want to but because there's something that's making their subconscious go there's something off there's something wrong they're not able to just enjoy your book and it's stupid little stuff i will be the first to admit it 
but it's things that the industry, the publishing industry have set as standard. And if we don't meet that level, it's going to doom your book eventually. It just will. Wow, you said a whole lot there. Uh, but in, in, a, in a nutshell, uh, it, it's a business, right? When you decide mm-hmm. to self-publish, you're now creating your own business. And I, I do run into creatives a lot who say, you know what, I don't want to be bothered with promotion. Mm. I just want to write. I'm a creator, and I just want to write. And to mm-hmm. those folks, you say what? I'm right there with you. I would love to do nothing more than just write too, but unfortunately, it, it it's a business. You have you are your own advocate. Um, no one else is going to show up and say, "Hey, I'm going to do this pro bono and scream about your book." And I'm a publicist, and I'm going to do this all for you. You are your only advocate. Um, yes, you can have friends and family that are helping, but yes. you have to be the one to put your best foot forward at all times. Right. And if, you know, if Aunt Tilly isn't a, you know, professional editor, I suggest Mm -hmm. finding someone who who is, which leads me to my next question, which is poor Aunt Tilly. There's Tilly's out there going, hey, why are you using my name in vain? Um, To find the right resources, this is a question I get a lot. People Mm. will say, well, how do you find the right formatter for your book? And and all of these things that matter, Mm. everything that you said, you have to have a book that that is a trade book that looks like every other traditionally published book out there. Where do Mm -hmm. you go to find your resources? Or how did you go about it when you started? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So one of my biggest ones was readsy.com, R-E-E-E-D-S-Y. I'm a fan. It's yeah, if you've ever heard of Upwork, it is basically Upwork, but solely focused on writer-specific, author-specific stuff. So anyone that's on there is someone who provides a service that in some way, shape, or form ties into the publishing market. So you have illustrators, um, you have cover designers, you have formatters, you have publicists, you have editors. Like All of these different professionals are specifically on this website, essentially catering specifically to the publishing industry. They are a huge, huge resource. Upwork is another one that if you um, vet appropriately, um, can be a great resource for looking into potentially finding someone for cover illustration, character illustration, editing, formatting. But I would definitely recommend vet them appropriately look at their portfolios uh because sometimes you do wind up with people on upwork that don't have quite as much credibility and authority as they say they do um and they might inadvertently set you up with a book that isn't perfect i found my editor through upwork she's fantastic and has provided me many many great opportunities um but the other option you have is ironically instagram There are a ton of illustrators, especially cover illustrators, that have their portfolio basically out there on Instagram for you to be able to look through. You can see how people are responding to it. You can see what their follower count is, that if you're small and starting out and you're looking for essentially someone to, once your cover is done, be able to like hold it up and go, hey, guys, I just finished this cover for this book. And they've got 20 some thousand followers. It's like, okay, that's that many more people that are going to see your book, your name, and potentially get like help you find your audience. So Instagram can be another great place because of the fact that the writing community is so insular um, and so well connected through Instagram. Um, I can't say anything about TikTok because I'm not on it. But I can speak very well to Instagram and being able to connect with other authors. And you can even say, hey, I'm lo- I'm at this stage of writing and I'm looking for X. Do you have anyone you recommend? Do you have like, is your editor taking clients? Is your illustrator taking clients? Things of that nature, because it can help you be able to quickly determine, oh, OK, we write in the same genre. I like that style of whatever. I'm going to ask this person directly and maybe they'll be able to point me in the right direction. Got it. So was there any steps along the way that you went down that you thought, oh, gosh, I should have never done that and had to backtrack and start over? Uh, like I, I had one with my website. I mean, I totally spent too much time was, money on my first wes- website. OK, yeah. So I do design my own website. Um, 
Uh, I've always gone through Wix. I've found that they're very like user-friendly. Their interface is incredibly easy to navigate. And there's enough flexibility without having it be like you have to know base coding. Um, WordPress, from what I understand, is another great option. But I will say that like there are a couple things that I know just took a lot of time and trial and error. And one of it was my website. Like I must have tried like 10 different website designs before I finally got to one that I'm like, I actually like how this is functioning. Um, and a lot of that was studying other authors' websites um, and trying different things and going, okay, what can I do? What can't I do? And just playing. Um, and yeah, it took me probably, I think I've had my website now like four years and I'm finally at the stage that I'm like, I like how it looks. Um, and the other part of it was my branding uh, on social media because like trying to figure out what worked for me, what worked for my audience, what was helping me get out there, things of that nature. It was like trial and error after trial and error over and over and over again. I would try some things and be like, well, that didn't work. We're just going to completely about face and we're not even going to like pretend like we did that. Um, <laughs> different like real ideas that I tried that I was like, yeah, no, nope, that fell flat. We're not even going to worry about it. And you just kind of almost have to give yourself permission to laugh at yourself and go, we made a mistake. Oh, well, yeah, that's <laughs> such an important point. On. Yeah, because otherwise you won't try anything, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That's such a great yeah, you have point. To give yourself permission to to make mistakes and learn from them, because most of especially when it comes to marketing and branding, most of it is just trying things and seeing what works, what works for you, what works for your books, what works for your audience, like and it, it's time consuming and give yourself permission to take time and it's okay to scrap an idea and start from scratch and re reach do it and try again. Yep. Yep. Um, I just came out with my third book that I co-authored and, and mm. it came out in um, in September and I'm still finding, you know, that, you know, the the, the back and forth and the the, the try it, it's not going to work. And, and sometimes mm -hmm. what's frustrating, and I, I feel like I'm pretty good at this, you know, being in the industry for so long, I'm pretty good at saying, you know, don't get worked up about that. But it does get a little frustrating when mm -hmm. everybody and their brother is saying, hey, try this, try this, try this. You mm -hmm. got to try this. This is going to work. You got, have you not tried that? That's not going to work. And I right. find that you as the author... You know your message, so and you know your audience better than yep. anyone, right? You got to trust mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah, there's definitely a point where, like, you do your research, you get feedback from people, you definitely like cultivate ideas, but like, there's also something to be said for intuition. Um, and like, okay, some people might look at you know a design that you came up with and go, I don't get it, but then you put it out there, and all of a sudden, like everyone's responding to it because it's like that's so iconic that's so good because like the people you initially asked aren't your target audience <laughs> like and and that's a lot of the piece of it is like i run a lot by my parents they're not my target audience like so there are times <laughs> where they'll be like i don't get it and it's like that's okay you're not supposed to i'm just keeping you involved in the process like I, I'm running it by other people that are my target audience and they love it. So we're moving forward. Right. Like, I'm trying to know. make you hip, mom and dad. I'm trying to <laughs> help the hipness factor. <laughs> oh. That's awesome. Okay. So let me ask you this. Just on the website, is it your opinion that it's important for every author to have a website? It doesn't have to have all the bells and whistles, but they should have one. I definitely think there should be. Um, it doesn't have to have a blog. Mine technically does, but I haven't touched it in like a year. Right? You're writing everything else. Right. So it's like you have to pick and choose uh, what makes the most sense. For me, I always knew I wanted merch and like stuff that would have my character art on it and like my series logo and things like that. And so finding a print-on-demand merch company that like I could integrate into Wix, like... I knew that's what I wanted on my website. I knew I wanted a place that was just quick and easy for people to find out about me, find out about my books, like with links to things. And like eventually, sure, there's all sorts of things I would love to add. But like that's time permitting. Like you kind of add things as you have time and as you play. Um, but I do think there's a ton of value in having your own website. I think it immediately makes you look a whole lot more professional. Even if you don't have like 
an email address that's specific to the website. So I'll be the first to admit it's expensive to have a, a hosted email address that's like, you know, info at yourname.com. But just having the yourname.com immediately makes you look a whole lot more professional. If you can figure out a basic landing page for your homepage, it's like all these little things, they just immediately boost your general presentation boosts your credibility as like someone who is a professional even if you're just starting out you can immediately like essentially plant yourself as like i am a professional and i'm going to do x y and z regardless of whether i've been in the industry for a while or not yep i agree completely and i and for someone like me um in the media people you know i if i want to do an interview of you I want to see that website. I want to see mm-hmm. what you do, where your books are, what's going on in your life, and where I can contact you, period. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So very, very important. Okay. Um, you really are good at this stuff. I mean, you said you had a publishing or a published publicity background? Uh, graphic design and marketing. I once upon a time worked for uh, Staples in their outside sales uh, selling print and promo. And that's like where I got a lot of my understanding of like what presentation can be and how it can matter. Um, and I saw good designs and I saw bad designs. And I learned a lot in the time that I was in that role. There you go. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, do you write on the subject of book marketing? And Not yet. Um, I have, I definitely have a couple irons in the fire um, that are hopefully going to come out soon ish uh i have a few different ideas on how to help especially new young authors that are just starting out and trying to get their head wrapped around it all because there's a lot and it can be so so daunting um but outside of social media and occasionally blog posts i don't write a lot about marketing as an author i definitely would like to though yeah i think you'd be very uh, it would be very useful um, I think it'd be helpful for, for your audience. But Aww. let's go back to your... It's very sweet of you to say. Oh, it's just, hey, listen, sister, I call them as I see them. Um, <laughs> okay, so we talked about that. Okay, so let's let's get specific about you and how you connect with your audience because we met at the, um, the author festival and there were... How many, how many authors were there at our local library? It was what, like... Somebody's. I, I a know lot. someone said it. Yeah, I know they said it was almost a hundred. I think I heard the number like ninety-four. Okay. Authors. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so imagine your local library and tables set up all over the library, and maybe two authors to a table, and they each have a certain amount of space in which to sell their book or just simply to chat with anybody who comes up to them. So again, I'm a media person. So I went, took some time to go around and, and chat with the different authors. And I would say, you know, tell me what your book's about. And I, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, Susan. But you know what I would get? Well, it's kind of about this and it's kind of about that. And I don't know what mm, kind mm, what. Mm, mm, and I have this book and this book and this. And there's about five books and blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, mm, elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you want yep. so so speak to the audience who may be in, in doing an author event and they're going to be sitting at a table and, you know, somebody like me comes up to them. What, how How is the right way to respond? So the way that I respond, if we want to use me as an example, yes, please, is I will tell them, OK, book one is all about an 18 year old girl with extraordinary powers who has to defend her high school from dragons with only her friends and protectors to help her. So one sentence, quick little blurb that like immediately sets up who my protagonist is, what the main conflict of the story is, and gives you just a tiny bit of a hook of like just enough to make people go, huh? Dragons attacking a high school, kind of unusual, but it's specific to my book. So it immediately makes people go that are interested, which I'll freely admit my book isn't for everyone. That's okay. But people who like it go, tell me more. That's when then we dive into what book two is about, what the, all of the spinoff novellas are about. Like once I know that they're actually like, okay, I'm plugged in with this pitch. Now we can start to dive into all of the nitty gritty and we can talk a little bit more about like what they might have question wise about like who the target audience is. What do I have any trigger warnings? Are there any trope specific things of that nature? 
Okay. So did you know right away who your audience was or was that something that you had to work on? Um, I always knew that my audience was going to be late high school, early college. Part of that was because I knew I was writing about an 18 year old girl in public school. Like that immediately kind of set the tone for who my intended audience is. Now, I have a secondary audience that is like basically college and career where it's essentially like early 20s into the 30s. That is a ton of people who grew up on exactly this like target audience of this fairly narrow window of 16 and 19 year olds but like because there's this other secondary audience that that's all they read when they were growing up they're like nope i still read it now even if i'm in my 30s this is still what i love and it's like great wonderful this is probably going to be perfect for you then um so yeah for me personally it was pretty easy to figure out what my target audience was going to be I wish I had like an easy answer for people who are struggling with figuring that out. Right. Um, I, yeah, I, I've tried to help people through it. And it's like, the best I can say is what are comp titles? Like, yes. if you were to say like, okay, this is a lot like where I drew inspiration from. Okay, well, what's their target audience? What's their target age range? Like, look at other titles that you think are comparable to yours whether it's because of setting or story or pacing or flow or whatever it might be like what would they be and what are their audience like that might help you narrow it down that's the the best advice i can offer yeah no and i i find that talking it through with someone Mm -hmm. you know when i my first book came out was also a nonfiction book and i thought oh it's 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 called it gets easier and other lies we tell new mothers so i thought oh well all Mm. mothers well, no. Like when we chatted through it, it was like, you know what? It really isn't for the pregnant mom who you'd think it would mm-hmm. be for because pregnant moms, especially first time pregnant moms, don't want to be told that motherhood's hard. They don't want to think about right. it until the baby's born. So you have mm-hmm. to get real specific. And I love that you mentioned secondary audience because you really do want to, in my opinion, focus so much of your promotion on your your initial audience, but there is always a secondary audience. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that secondary audience um, comes front and center, which is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you have tertiary audiences, like you have people who will pick it up because they go, well, this sounds interesting, or a family member read it and they go, this is not my genre at all. And I wound up loving it. Like, there's always going to be like these little splinter off audiences that are like, I have people who choose to connect more with my secondary protagonist and he's, you know, a man in his thirties ish. And it's like, so you get this whole other tertiary audience that like just winds up being just as valuable as your primary and secondary. Yeah. It becomes like, it becomes a, an entity of its own. I love that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's, uh, one other question. Cause I know, Folks are going to say, how come you didn't ask her this? So is this your, <laughs> do you make a career of writing? Is this your only job? At the moment, yes, this wow. is my only job. Wow. Whether I will be able to continue to do that, we'll see. Um, the A lot of people will say that once you get to like 12 books out in, you know, the market, it becomes a whole lot easier to have a self-sustaining kind of income. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm still very unknown in many ways. It's I'm slowly but surely finding my audience and I'm growing at a glacial pace, but I'd rather grow organically rather than like just have this sudden burst and like get a flash in the pan. Yep. Right. Exactly. So I'm more about longevity, um, wanting to get dedicated readers and dedicated fans of the series that love the characters and love the world and really want to dive in because that's the kind of story I'm telling. Um, so yes, right now I can afford to be a full-time author. Uh, but before, I mean, I've only been doing this for about a year. I was working for a nonprofit and that provided me like basically part-time throughout most of the year. And I could focus the other part-time of the, of the week to be focusing on my writing. Um, downside was I was basically MIA for like the entire summer because I used to run a summer camp. So um, that was part of the reason I was like, you know what? I have just enough money that I could do this for like two, maybe three years. We're going to kind of like just dive all in and we're going to see what we can do and turn this into a career and just have it be like, this is the career I want. This is what I want to do. So we're just going to give it a shot and see what happens. And 
I mean, at least so far, at the very least, I'm finding my audience and I'm going to keep plugging away and trying to keep the uh, celebrate the small victories as they come and try not to get caught up in the like, well, so and so is doing so much better. Oh, you know, whatever, so hard. Because everything's oh, 100 percent. And social media makes it so much harder because it's like all you're seeing are snippets of people's lives. And it's like it can be hard and you have to remind yourself constantly that's a person on the other end and like that person on the other end is struggling with things that are different than you or might even be identical to you and it's like just continue to remind yourself that's a person like these are all people and they're all trying to do the exact same thing there's no reason to be jealous of them there's no reason to like you know villainize them like no we're all on the same team and that's one of the blessings of the indian self-publishing like community on social media we are all like almost all of us are all about supporting one another mm -hmm. like because i i wish i could remember the cartoon that i saw like five years ago but it was something to the effect of like uh the way that a lot of authors see uh, think people see it that there's two cakes and people are only going to eat the one cake but in actuality, what really happens is the reader goes, yay, two cakes. Like, yes. all that they're thrilled about is there's more to read. There are more stories to consume. Like, just because they're not buying your book now doesn't mean they won't later or that they won't ask for it for Christmas or for birthdays or what have you. Like, give it time. Give yourself time. Give yourself grace as you are growing through the process. Your audience is already out there. Your fans are already out there. You just have to find them. They just have to find you. Like, just keep plugging away, and it's going to work out. Yeah, but not without work, as you said. Correct. And and you yep. are a promotion girl. So at, at this festival that we were at, tell folks a little bit about your – I don't know if you took a picture of it. Maybe I can put it in the post. Oh, great. Send me the picture. But just sure what, what kinds of things did you have at your table? Yeah, so uh, like you were saying, we had about half of a six-foot table, maybe an eight-foot table. So we only had three or four feet to work with. Um, I've had that set up before. So really what I relied heavily on was I have a table runner that has my series logo on it and one of my dragon illustrations is kind of like the background so that immediately kind of like sets the tone and then it's just a matter of like setting up my books and having them stagger together and uh kind of like allowing it to be okay here's book one and book two we're gonna set them off to the side and then we'll have all the like secondary books off to the other side and we'll just like stack them so that we can essentially display them all but not have it be so overwhelming um and then i just had in front a little business card holder and some free bookmarks a few free stickers and then the last thing i had was a pop-up uh easel with i think it's a 24 by 36 poster that just has a tiny bit about me, a picture of me, and then some editorial reviews um, from my first and second book, along with all of my book covers on it. And it's just a simple, quick, easy way to allow for people, especially those that might be like nervous about coming up and talking to you, because you get that type of person that they're they get anxiety about talking to new people or the idea of coming and talking to the author and getting trapped, like might terrify them i don't like to force people to come up if they don't want to like you can stay away you can come forward you can do whatever makes you comfortable but setting up that easel with just a little bit of information having it be not like my blurb or anything of that nature but having it be like other people's opinions and their credible opinions of my books um displayed in large font that's easy to read makes it so that people who are just walking by can stop quickly read that and even if i'm talking with someone else they can read through it and go does this sound like something i'm interested in that someone i know could be interested in it's a quick and easy way to be able to put your message out there without like intimidating people right i love that and your concern is for the audience member or the participant to the the show whoever was mm -hmm. coming i love that uh, that always i think plays well um, yeah, I'll tell you some of the other 
I hate to be dissing on some of the other folks, and I don't mean it that way, but I just it just as a as an example of of what to do, practice ahead of time. I mean, the, some mm-hmm. of the some of the folks didn't even have a card, Susan. They didn't even have a card, mm-hmm. so I was interested yeah. in the book, but I wasn't ready to buy it. But so give and me you had a card no way to be able to follow up. Exactly. Uh-huh. Oh, I forgot them. What? That's the whole reason you're here. So the the other point of this is you showed up. So you found out that there was a fair going on. You signed up, and then you showed up. Tell us, like, how did you find it in the first place? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, are you looking, I, I guess, find- are you actively looking for p- things that you can show up at as, a, as, a, as an oh, author? Oh, yeah. Um, very, very often. I, I search a lot for art festivals, for book signings. Um, I want to say I found out, oh, I know how I found out about the local author expo. Um, I had been welcomed to attend a juried event that was held by the Doylestown bookstore and the friendly or the friends of the library. And I, I was selected. My first book was selected for that. And that was, I think 30 authors, 28 authors. Um, and so like we had to submit our book, they decided whether it was the right level. And I found that just by, I think, a Google search of like, I was searching for what options were out there that were local. And that came up. And because I participated in that, I got an email that was about, hey, we're doing this other event that's at the library. It's not juried. You can just pay a small table fee. And I was like, yeah, why not? It's right at the library. It's not far. We're going to go ahead and do it. Um, So that's how I found out about the author expo at the library. But Um, I've Googled as simple as, uh, author events, uh, in Pennsylvania. I've searched just author events in 2023. There are two different websites I've found over the years that like, they just list out events that are like fantasy or sci-fi specific. And that's how I got plugged into the Comic-Con that I went to in Arkansas, and that was an amazing event. And that's how I found out about the Comic-Con I'm going to this weekend in Columbus, Ohio. Like, because I got encouraged by people to consider Comic-Cons because they will take fantasy and sci-fi authors. They view us as creators, as artists. So, like, we qualify for their artist tables. Um, I love just, that. Yeah, a lot of Google searching and, like, doing the, okay, uh, events in Jersey. Okay, events in maryland like what's nearby what can i do what's further away that i'm willing to travel to like you know things of that nature but yeah a lot of it is just constantly almost uh google searching and then ones that like their um exhibitor application maybe isn't open yet i just have now this massive like bookmark list in google um that is just like okay we're gonna keep popping back occasionally to see like when does the exhibitor application open and what's the fee and can I afford it and what, you know, time of year is it and what else might be that interfering with, whether it's family related things or other events. Um, there are quite a few events that will overlap. And in those instances, you have to kind of choose which one. And it might be that you try one one year and one the next year. And that's how you determine what is better for you, both like for time commitment. And what's better for you? Like, what made you more money? Sure. Where did you get more traction? You know, things of that nature. Yeah, it's funny when you mentioned the the Comic Con uh, Expo. You're also narrowing your appearances um, to your target audience, right? Mm-hmm. Because you could go to a book fair. And, and it, you've got every genre, and now you're yeah. at ComCon, and th- those folks already love you. So, mm-hmm. wow, that's neat. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> right? Thank I mean, just you. to stumble into, you know, your, you know, perfect, you know, target audience. And oh, yeah. are, are they fun? Like, what, what do you oh, do? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I've been to two now. Uh, there's one, actually, if you're in Pennsylvania, on the eastern side, there's uh, the Lehigh Valley Comic Con. It's really small. In comparison to obviously like the big like three day event ones like this one I'm going to in Columbus, Ohio, but like their table fees are really, really reasonable. Everyone is fantastic, like super, super nice to work with their one day events. So it's like you get a table, you can do your simple setup and it's just everyone that comes is already if you write fantasy or sci fi or any speculative fiction. So like anything that's supernatural or horror or what have you like that 
that's your audience right there. And you might only get 20 people that are readers. But the number of times that like I've been set up at these events and someone starts to walk by and they stop and go, books, books I haven't seen before. And they just like immediately want to veer, even if it's like, oh, never mind. This isn't actually what I'm into. It's like, that's fine. They still got excited like to see you and to meet you. And sometimes then you get the people that are just like, it's the novelty of meeting the author and we find that funny but <laughs> other readers find that like this is so cool i'm talking to the author like you know so yeah definitely if you are a uh, speculative fiction author consider comic cons they're a ton of fun neat neat okay so okay three more questions for you number one, okay just three number one you're just such a font of information um <laughs> Would you like to be picked up by a traditional publisher or would you do you prefer all the freedom that you have in publishing yourself? I've had this question asked a lot, um, ironically, which I find a little funny. But um, so at the moment, I have no intention of pursuing traditional publishing. The way that I'm approaching this is essentially I'm going to keep continuing with self-publishing, doing things on my own, because one, I do think that I'm producing books that are of the right caliber to be like mistaken for traditionally published and i do make more money per book sale in this way um rather than traditional publishing however if a traditional like house approached me and said we are interested in purchasing the rights to distribute your books i would at the very least entertain paint it because I already have a fan base that is slowly growing. I have a like loyal reader base and the big appeal to traditional publishing is their market. Like they, the way that they are able to get names out there is far more, I could do this for the rest of my life and I might never reach the level that a traditional house with one, like we're just going to do one marketing push. Um, if you've ever heard of Andrew Peterson, he wrote the series uh, The Wing Feather Saga. It's a four book series for middle grade uh, readers. He self published traditionally and went that route um, and was published in this series, was maybe like 10, 15 years old. And about three years ago, Penguin approached him and said, We would like to purchase the rights and distribute and it ballooned his reader base and more and more people were able to find it and then it was able to be like crowdfunded for an animated tv show and like things of that nature and it's like this is happening far more often than people are realizing that like just start walking self-publishing there's always the chance that later a house once your series is complete might turn around and go we see value in this now like we can see that there's a lot here we want to talk to you about rights now i own the copyrights to my books um it's like the first step i do after i finish my drafts is i apply for the copyright and that's just because i i've spent 15 years with these characters i've spent a long time trying to work on this story i'm not going to let like you know the the small fee of the copyright fee be the thing that stops me from protecting my work mm -hmm. uh, but because of that a lot of publishing houses won't pick me up because i'm kind of showing my hand when i like send a manuscript they can immediately look up and see that i own the copyright and i'm kind of already showing them that i know just enough to be really annoying <laughs> um because i do i would be the the author that would be like well this part of the contract i don't agree with and i want to have this because i know what i can and can't change in an author contract like i've done a lot of studying and research into author contracts and what you can and can't have wiggle room on and it's like i i would just be that person that would be like yeah no i don't want this no i don't want that no i don't approve that and they know that, you know, if you're already like putting your copyright out there and then you're going to send it to a house, you're already showing them that you know enough about the publishing industry that you're probably going to be really annoying. So they're like, it's not worth it for, you know, a relative unknown author. And I can't blame them. But if later down the line, someone comes out and goes, hey, like we would like to purchase the rights, I would 100% entertain that and see where that could go. Right. How many books do you think will be in this series? In this series, it'll be five books. Um, I wrote all of the initial drafts before I published book one. Wow. Uh, partially, partially because I can't outline. My characters are prone to doing world-breaking things in the 11th hour, and I didn't want to have to, like, 
figure out how to retcon things. Um, so I wrote the whole series out, got it all down to paper, uh, sent it off to story editors, had them kind of essentially uh, proof of concept it, make sure that everything makes sense, that the plot made sense, that what happens in book five does have enough foreshadowing in book one, wow. all of those things. So yeah, um, book three is currently slated for next year release. So we're just plugging away with editing right now. That's awesome. And you mentioned novellas. Mm-hmm. And yeah, tell so us what that a, is. Uh, so a novella is essentially a shorter book. Um, this is where genre specifics can kind of come into play. So my first book is about 95,000 words, and that's a very comfortable length for young adult upper fan, like upper young adult fantasy, um, especially for a first book. It's not too long that you're going to have people like become daunted by how thick the book is, but it's not too short. They're going to feel like, you know, they didn't get enough. Um, then my second book is 160,000 words where it's just this monstrosity, but people that read it, read it in three days because the plot moves super fast. Um, so because of that, like some people would classify because of the word count, my second book more epic fantasy because of the length, but it really is like, a lot of it is subjective and a lot of it depends on your your personal reader base. Novellas, all of my novellas are anywhere between, uh, I want to say like 30,000 to 50,000 words. So they're substantially shorter. Um, but they're same characters, can, same characters, like point so in time? actually secondary characters. Okay. They're all introductions to secondary characters that become essentially like the primary group of characters that we deal with books three through five um because my s books three through five i shift from young adult into the new adult category all the characters are starting to grow up they're dealing with different stresses and like different problems so it's no longer appropriate to kind of have it be this is still a young adult we're going to shift into the the new adult category as the characters grow up just because I personally don't think that it's correct for me to market these books three through five for younger readers. There's just going to be different things that aren't appropriate for a younger reader to necessarily read unless the parent deems that that's appropriate for them to read. So, yeah, it's all of my novellas are essentially a chance to allow my readers to get to know these secondary characters even better before they become primary characters in book three. So the novellas are also available for sale right now? Correct. Yes. Uh, and they are all under the series name of the Human Born Chronicles. Got it. Okay. The Human Born Chronicles. So I saw that on your on your website. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. I hope the, I'm sure the audience is getting all kinds of great, fabulous ideas. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Okay, last question. Yeah. Do you get the question a lot? Um, how do you pub how did you publish your book? I want to publish a book. Do you get that a lot? I, I actually have three emails in my inbox right now of people that are like, hi, I would love to like talk with you about, you know, how you published and all this other fun stuff. And one of them is a guy that is kind of like a friend of a friend and two others. I, I offer a uh, publishing coaching that is, I try to keep the price low uh, so that people can just have time to kind of go, this is what I'm thinking. Or like, I want to help come like have someone who can help me come up with like a game plan or what have you, or just be able to go, I want to learn formatting, can you teach me? Like, whatever someone might need. Um, and so I've got like two of those sitting in my <laughs> inbox right now of people that are like, we're trying to suss through like how long they think they want, um, you know, things of that nature. And yeah, I get asked pretty often how I published and it, it tends to be a, we could be here for a while, how much do you want to know? Right. Um, <laughs> because there's so many steps to it and and it's not necessarily an easy thing to go oh well i just sat down and did a lot of research and then i published a book like that's the super condensed version but like i know they're interested in something specific and some people it's you know when they ask that they're asking well how did you sit down and write you know how uh, how how did you get the story onto paper because i've got the story in my head but i don't know how to do it it's like, well, me personally, I just started writing. I I was 18 when I started trying to get my story onto paper. I didn't have any formal training. And it was just, I, 
we're just gonna try. Like, what's the worst that'll happen? I'll fail. Um, and yeah, so, but because that's how I approach writing of just sit down and do it, I don't outline, I don't storyboard. There's a lot of things that other people would be a whole lot more comfortable doing because that's their process. My process is incredibly messy by a lot of people's standards because I just sit down and I let the story unfold as it's going to unfold. And then I fix it like in editing. I, I fight through edits to turn it into a book that I think is then ready for publication. But yeah, it's, it's a very complicated uh, answer in many times because it depends a lot on, well, what are you really asking? Are you asking how I took my book from manuscript to publish? Are you asking how I wrote it? Like, are you asking how I chose my editor like what what exactly are you asking yes or how about excuse me people who find out you write a book and they're like i'm gonna write a book and then you're like yeah okay go write it you know it's (laughs) like it's people think it's easy and it's not easy and part of the reason Mm. that it's not easy is because of all the things that are are involved all the things that we talked about in the interview the stamina with which and the and the desire and you you clearly have that i mean you know this is susan is not someone who's got a little bit of energy hello i mean geez you're really uh got a lot of energy and you could tell that there's there's passion there and i think thank you yeah when there's passion for your message and you feel, mm. oh my gosh, you can't get it out there. I mean, you have to get it out there. And I think that's where a lot of authors will say to me, oh my goodness, I, I, you know, I don't want to sell myself. And I, and I like to say, you know what? You're not selling yourself. You're selling this mm-hmm. great book that people already mm-hmm. want to read. Do you find that too? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I recently had someone that was, they wound up coming up from my booth at one of my events and, they were asking me, you know, it was the, we took a winding path to find out that, yeah, no, she has a story she wants to write. And she's just always struggled with getting it down to paper. And one of my favorite things to try to encourage other authors on and prospective writers on is if you have a story idea, there's a reason for it because not everyone gets one. It takes me all the way back to my very first creative writing class in high school when, um, I had a girl that sat next to me and she was like, I have no idea what to write. And I was like, you have you ever just sat in class and daydreamed like or just had like this story that you told yourself? And she was like, no, not really. And that's when it occurred to me that like not everyone has a story, has characters, has worlds burning in their head. There's a reason for the story that you have. Like, you might not know what it is. Like, uh, even the readers that you have might not know how poignant and how important your story becomes until they read it and, like, finish it and wind up cherishing it. But there's a purpose behind every story that we have because as creatives, like, nothing's accidental. We like to think that it is, and there are definitely times where, like, happy accidents happen. I will freely admit the number of times that I'm like, I was accidentally really smart. I didn't intend for this to work out (laughs) as well as it did. Um, But like, those are times where I think our natural story creating ability is coming through. And that's not an accident. If you have a story, that's because you're supposed to be a creator and you, you, the world needs your story, whether you want to believe it or not. Um, And the only thing stopping it is you. And it's going to require you to just basically sit down and do no one's gonna sit there you know next to you and go hey it's time for you to write your story um when i went to i graduated with a degree in writing and minored in business and my senior seminar project our professor was all about like you're not going to walk out of here with your degree and have someone go okay now it's time for you to go write because i want to buy your story like no you have to build that stamina and that dedication now here and now because if you don't, you're never going to do anything with it. And I will forever be grateful to to him for that because it instilled, it, it reinforced in me that it's like, no, I have to write this story. Because if I don't, no one else will. Like, I I have to write it. Yep. It'll, it'll be lost like forever. You, right. You're unique. It's going to be lost forever mm-hmm. if you don't. Yep. And there's a purpose behind every story that every author every prospective author has and sometimes they need time like 
uh, like I said, I've been working on my story for about 15 years because at one point I had to dismantle the whole thing and start all over because the plot wasn't working. And it's like, did it hurt? Yeah. But the story that I'm publishing now, worlds better, worlds stronger than what I was coming up with back in college. Like, so there's just all of these different processes that, yeah, sometimes people write it and it's gold and they're just able to like immediately get it toward publication a whole lot faster. That doesn't mean they're any better than you because you need to take a couple years or decades to get your story figured out because some stories require more time. Um, my story editor not too long ago was kind of trying to encourage me that it's like, you're not writing a romance story, Susan. You're writing an epic fantasy story that has intricate world building that requires a whole lot more attention to detail than just some cozy little rom-com. Like, you have to remember that what you're doing is going to take more time and that's okay. And it's like, it's so true. But sometimes we have to be reminded of those facts that like, we're allowed to take time. We're allowed to realize something's wrong, go back and dismantle and rebuild. Like it's okay to have those processes happen because that's your writing process. Right. And the, and the comparison to other mm-hmm. authors, it's, it's, it's gosh, it, it just goes nowhere. Oh uh, yeah. And I, I like to look at it in like two different ways. There's two different ways we can compare ourselves to other authors. One of them is incredibly detrimental <laughs> where we sit there and we go, oh, I just want to be like that person. I just want whatever they whatever level of success we think they have that we don't yet have. That's detrimental on a lot of different levels, because nine times out of 10, even when you reach that level of perceived success, we still want, want want more like because we're never satisfied with whatever level of success we currently have and if you've already written a book and published it that's a huge success like there are so many people who never even get to that point like and it can be hard to remember that alone is a a monumental thing like that book is going to outlast you it just will But then there's the way of comparison yourself to another author by going, well, what are they doing that I could learn from? What's something they're doing that's really beneficial? Like, what is their marketing plan? What's their strategy? How do they present themselves that might be beneficial for me to consider? Like, what, how are they publishing that maybe if I took a note from them of like, oh, well, they do the X, Y, and Z, and that makes them look a whole lot more professional. Maybe I should do that too. Like that level of comparison, that's really good, I think, for us to be able to do that self-diagnosis of, is there something more I could be doing or learning from this person that's already gone before me and knows so much more about this process than I do at whatever level I'm at? Yeah. Is it going to raise you up? Mm-hmm. I love yep. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I always like to say it, it always looks easy when someone else does it, but I think they're only showing you the easy part. Oh, yeah. Right. In many ways. I, I try to be as transparent as possible on social media of like the times when things just are not going my way where I'm like, guys, I am struggling hardcore right now. You want to know why? Cause X, Y and Z is not going the way that I want it to go. And that's just because personally, I want to remind people that like, there are we're people like all authors all creators they have something else going on behind the scenes that we're not seeing and they might not want to put it out there but i don't mind putting it out there i don't mind reminding people that's like hey guys my dog has recently gone deaf (laughs) i have to now teach him sign language (laughs) like you know little things like that that's like i'm not afraid to just kind of put my my struggles out there but i don't just like woe is me it i try to like just provide the the look behind the curtain of like this is what's going on and we're still going to get to this point it just might take longer because this has fallen apart or something didn't go the way that i intended and i i found that the times i do that i get so many people that wind up coming into like dms or even just commenting like oh my goodness you don't know how like refreshing it was to hear that someone else was struggling it's just like yeah, it's okay, guys. Like, it's okay that you're struggling. It's okay that this is not an easy thing. Like, this is like taking a 10-mile hike over and over and over again. And some parts of it get easier and some parts of it get harder. And it's like, it's okay when you reach a point in that hike of the publishing journey that you have to sit down and gasp for air. Like, that's what happens when you're hiking like you reach a point where your stamina has given out and you have to sit and you have to rest and it's okay 
Like, even if that puts you, like, behind your perceived schedule, your book is still going to release. And sometimes delaying it is the best thing you could do for it. Gosh, that's so true. And we thank you for allowing us behind the curtain and sharing (laughs) your story and all the different um, resources and and offerings that you've you've given to us today. Thank you so much, Susan. We really appreciate it. So before we go, tell me here. Oh, it was a pleasure. Tell the audience, again, the names of your books, where they can buy them, and also what your favorite place for them to contact you is. Sure. Uh, so book one of my main series, The Human Born Era, is titled The Rise of the Raiden. Book two is titled The Ties That Bind. And then there are six parallel side stories that are all parallel. They happen at the exact same time as The Rise of the Raiden. And they are called the Human Born Chronicles. I can rattle off all those names, but we might be here for a little bit. Um, so I would just leave it at the Human Born Chronicles. And you can purchase them at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, anywhere books are sold. They are available on Kindle Unlimited. And I do publish all of my physical books in two formats. One is a standard version with a standard serif font. And the other is a dyslexic-friendly version with a dyslexic-friendly font. So, yeah, it's something that I personally really love doing. Um, I love being able to provide that to people who struggle with dyslexia. Yeah. And I love seeing the number of times I've had people almost break down in tears when I showed them that book. It's like immediately it it makes my heart feel like it grew eight sizes. (laughs) It's just like, "Ah, okay, I made someone feel seen and respected and understood just by doing this one little thing. So, um, yeah. All of my books can be purchased at any major retailer. And the best way to contact me is either directly through my website, SusanLMarkloff.com, or through social media. Uh, I am incredibly, incredibly active on Instagram, which you can find me at Susan L. Markloff. Ooh, I'll be connecting with you. If I haven't already, I don't remember if I did or not. Things got a little <laughs> crazy before the holiday. Trust me, I understand. Awesome. Thank you so much. And good luck. So the next, the rom-com that you're going on is coming up? Or not the rom-com, yeah. the com-con. Yeah, so I have a, uh, there's a Comic-Con out in Cl- Columbus, Ohio called GalaxyCon. I will be exhibiting there and it's a three-day event. It's going to be a long weekend, but it's going to be a ton of fun. And that's my last event of this year. And then I get to relax a little bit uh, going into Christmas and the new year. And then in January, I will be in Virginia Beach for MarsCon, a slightly smaller Comic-Con convention. Fun. And I, I, I assume that you'll be posting on Instagram so we can follow your adventures? Yep. Yeah. I tend to post like in my stories as I'm driving like different stops I take or like just random things that I see that I'm like here we are this is the we're at x stage in the journey excellent thank you thank you so much Susan so we've been speaking with Susan Markloff and again you t- she told you where you can find her Susan L Markloff.com also available for publishing coaching which is mm-hmm. interesting. I, I imagine they can send you an email from your website yes. about yep. that too. Yep. They can fill out the contact form there if they're interested at all in uh, any publishing coaching. Fantastic. And I, I didn't even know that about you. I just kind of stumbled. <laughs> I don't, you know, hmm, I'm just so it's proud of myself. Good. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I'm uh, only about six months into offering. I got encouraged by a lot of different industry prof- uh, professionals that were like, you should offer coaching. And I was like, okay, we'll put it out there. Why not? Like, let's see what happens. And uh, the few people I've been able to help so far has made it all worthwhile um, just to be able to come alongside them and help give them whatever it was that they needed to be able to feel like they could tackle publishing without feeling completely overwhelmed. Fantastic. Great, great stuff, Susan. Thanks again for being with us. Thanks again for having me. And you are listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, share the podcast episode with a fellow author or leave a review. Just scroll down to the bottom of the show details while on your app and you'll see the review option. Thanks in advance for your support. Remember, my new book, Get Your Book Seen and Sold, The Essential Book Marketing and Publishing Guide, written with co-author Julie Marquette, is on sale today wherever you buy books. It's your personal guide and resource to get your book seen and sold.